This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Deacon Danny Cahoot. All right, I'm, our title today is Last Week We Did uh, the Battle on Carmel behind, between God and Baal. It wasn't a battle between the prophets of Baal as much as it was God proving himself and uh, through Elijah. And so our title today is Where is Your Hiding Place? And we're going to bounce back to when when Mo, Mount Sinai it's going to it's, it's, it's called the mountain of God when there's a whole lot of things that happened on Sinai other than the Ten Commandments it was called Mount Horeb at first and Moses was up keeping sheep and uh, God spoke to him and said go deliver my people that's the first thing that happened on Mount Sinai which is the same thing as Mount Horeb he said go deliver them Moses said, I ain't doing that. I, I don't, I'm, who am I? He was scared anyway because he had just murdered a man and fled. And so he got, he, through the transition of that, he went to Horeb, went from Horeb and delivered the Hebrew nation. At that time, there was close to a million of them that was involved in Exodus. They came back out of Egypt right into Sinai. Well, they ended up wandering 40 years. But on Mount Sinai, he got the Ten Commandments, and not just the Ten Commandments, but the entire law. The entire Levitical law, everything was given to him on Mount Sinai. And also, they told God told him, you build the Ark of the Covenant. That was done at Sinai. The dimensions of the Ark of the Covenant, how to use it, what to do with it, how to do it, was right there. How to build the tabernacle. Erect the tabernacle, the dimensions of the tabernacle, right on Sinai would say, this is how it's going to be built. Which, the elements of it, how, it, how the worship was to be done, and everything about that tabernacle was a forerunner of the temple that would be built in Jerusalem. So, you had the commandment to go deliver the people, you had the commandment, the, the law, you had the, the, the building of the Ark of the Covenant, the building of the tabernacle, and as they wandered, people talk about the pillar of fire and the pillar of uh, the, the pillar of the cloud. Now I brought pictures and showed videos of that in previous lessons, but a pillow is a big, long column, and that column that holds up a structure. And so you you saw the visuals. Now let me tell you what this is. It's Talmud. T-A-L-M-U-D has 38 volumes in it. Talmud explains Midrash, which Midrash is a Jewish encyclopedia like we have world history. We have uh, United States history. We have all of our encyclopedias. The Jewish have their own. And uh, what they have is they call a Midrash, which has 18 volumes, which covers not detail, but explains an overview of their history. Talmud, T-A-L-M-U-D, has 38 volumes, and it gets into detail, which explains Midrash. And they have, how they explain this is the great big pillow of fire would just, they would just follow it at night, the big pillow of cloud through the day. And they would just follow it and wander it 40 years. 40 years, can you imagine? When the pillow stopped, it was time to erect the tabernacle. When the flame stopped, it was time to, and it stayed right there. They just encamped around it. They put the tabernacle up. 
And they would work, and it was always done on Passover. It was always done at the, when it was time for the Day of Atonement, for the Feast of Tabernacles, all of God's feast. It always stopped then, and uh, that's when they took care of of uh, their sacrifices and all. And so, I'm, I'm, you'll, you'll see where I'm going with this as far as Sinai goes, uh, because it's a whole lot. Their entire forty-year journey was just marching all around the wilderness, just wandering. Until every single man of war, every single complainer, every single person that found fault, every single per- all of them golden calf followers, all of them people were gone. And then when it was time for to, to come into Canaan, into the promised land, and you know Moses actually, that last time when they were, well, give us water, we want water, and Moses struck the rock instead of speaking to it. God said, okay, you can't go in. So he 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 gave the past the 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 I don't want to call it a man the leadership to Joshua and Josh he said Joshua I can't go in but you gonna go in and lead them in when you go into Josh when you go into the Canaan when you go into the Promised Land you're gonna come in at the West Bank at the West Bank there's gonna be Mount Jerusalem and Mount Ebal. When you go in, you put the curse on Ebal and you put the blessing on Jerusalem. So that's right at the West Bank and this is where Samaria actually is. And you erect an altar and you sacrifice right there on Jerusalem. Build an altar, sacrifice in the Lord because now he's going to, you're going to cross Jordan, you're going to go into Jordan, across Jordan, you're going to go into the West Bank and you're going to, now you're going to take the possession of the land. Of course, the this is where we ended up destroying Jericho. And I'll get a little bit into that here in just a minute. So, since I mentioned Samaria, the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. The Samaritans stayed right there and they built their temple right there. That's where they worshipped. And one of the main reasons the Jews hated the Samaritans is, is they considered them half-breeds. They were, they were just mixed all different races and all different things, but they were still Jewish. And so they they were not allowed to worship in the temple with the with the Jews, so they stayed right there on the west bank in Samaria, and that's why to the I don't know how how the hatred goes today, but when you read in the Bible, said the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans; they've considered them pagan because they built their own temple, they did their own sacrifice, because this is where the altar was built in Jerusalem when they first went into Canaan. I went into great detail about that when we were teaching on that, but this is just an overview to get to where we are now. And so uh, where we ended up last time, I'm going to get back to Sinai in a minute. I, I paraphrase a lot till I get to one point. I got, I got 60 hours into one sentence every time I teach, and so just wait for it. But it's, uh, the, the title here is Where's Your Hiding Place? Because where we ended up last time is, is the battle on Carmel. What had basically happened is Solomon was a descendant. You're talking 480 years from coming into Canaan to, the, to all the battles they had to David. And then David, he could not build the temple, but he, but God gave him the dimensions of it. God gave him the entire structure, how to, how to build it, the elements and everything of it. And the elements are the same as what was in the tabernacle. He said, the tabernacle no more, but we need to have, God needs a house. And so David's heart's desire was to build a house for the Lord, a house of worship, a house for the Jews. 
But the God said, look, you're a man of war. We're going to let your son do it. So David gave all the dimensions to his son Solomon, and Solomon uh, built the temple. David was not, David had passed. Solomon built the temple, and through the course of time, and I'm covering a little bit about what I covered last time, and uh, I'm going to just hit it real quick because I just, I just got to cover it because it still baffles me. We're going to go into 1 Samuel here real quick. And I'm going to go real fast, but I'm not going to get into like what I did last time on this, just to show you the uh, what happened here. Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. I can't find it. First Kings. First Kings chapter 11. Now here you go. You got all the wisdom that Solomon had, all the anointing that Solomon had, everything that Solomon had on his life. And all of a sudden, he just started turning to worship idols, to worship golden calves, to worship other gods, and turned his back on God. First Kings chapter 11, verse 1. King Solomon loved many strange women altogether, the daughters of Pharaoh, the women of Moabites, the men of Ammonites, Edomites, Zionites, Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go. To them neither shall they come in unto you, for they surely will turn your heart after their gods. But Solomon claved to him in love. And it, I mean, just he had 700 wives and princesses, 300 concubines. His wives turned his heart away. Okay, now I'm not going to get into detail about all that. But through lust, Solomon turned his heart away from God. And he didn't, for lust, he bowed down to golden calves. For lust, he. And so what happened was he had children. Their children became more wicked than him. Their children became more wicked than him. And through a couple of generations there, as, as new kings were put up and, and taken down, you had each time that, that we went, we covered it, each person that was in charge, a king and in charge of Israel, was worse than all of those that were before him. And that's in the, I'm not going to cover all those scriptures now, but we went into each, each one and each life and each how they were did more wickedly. And... Uh, but look at this. Just I'll just show you this right here. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 30. Oh, verse 25. 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 25. Then this is a descendant of Solomon. Omri wrought evil in the eyes of the Lord and did worse than all those that were before him. Okay, let's keep on going. Verse 28, Omri slept with his father's and but buried in Samaria, and Ahab, his son, reigned in his stead. Okay, verse 30, and Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. Okay, so here we are where we left off last time. Ahab was now ruling in Israel. Okay, now, I'm not going to cover Elijah's life. Elijah saw the entire, you're talking over two million people now. I mean, just a massive amount. And, and the entire nation of Israel turned. Let's see this. Verse 31. And it came to pass, if he had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jerusalem, the son of Nebat took the wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethabal, the king of Zodians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. And Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel in anger than all the kings that were before him. Now, prior to that, it showed what they, what his 
ancestors did. They built golden calves and had the entire nation of Israel. Oh, golden calf, thank you for delivering us out of Egypt. Oh, golden calf, thank you for parting the Red Sea. And I just covered that scripture. I don't, I don't want, to, want to get back on because I get angry about it because I, I can't understand in my mind how a human being can take a hunk of metal and bow down and, and think that that has any power or strength at all. It's, I know we say sometimes I never do that, but I, I can't see myself praying to a hunk of metal. I just can't do it. But you're talking about an entire nation. Okay. So now, the course of Elijah, well, I'm not going to cover the, the, the sustaining with the widow, the raising of that dead, but what happened, here, and I'm going to want to hurry up and get to it because i got a whole lot to cover. I know I'm not going to finish. Okay, Elijah now has caused the entire nation of Israel to fall, and Elijah stepped up and said, enough is enough. Enough is enough. He went up there and he said, okay, for three and a half years, there's not going to be any rain and you're going to have a drought and you're going to suffer and there's going to be no food or no water for these people and it's going to be your fault. And so all these prophets of Baal and this is some of the elders that is in Talmud, they would get up there and they would even cut themselves with knives and say, oh, Baal, send us some rain. Oh, Baal, send us some water. Oh, golden calf, you need us some rain. We need some to eat. And they ran out of food. Oh, golden calf, Baal, Baal. And they just turned over to Baal, thinking he's going, and no rain. Okay, so this is where we left off. I, I skipped and just covered the battle with a little bit last time. Okay, so now we are, we're going to get right back into the battle. Okay, verse 17 of chapter 18. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said to him, Art thou he that troubled Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and has followed Baal. Now therefore, send and gather me, gather to me all of Israel unto Mount Carmel. See, my study all along has been all of the mountains in the Bible where God did something majestic on. Mount Carmel is no different. This is this where we're getting ready to get into it now. It's just I just I just can't get enough of it. When I think I've heard enough, there's something else that's hidden. There's something else that's hidden that I'm not I'm not that, that smart, but I've learned how to study from my pastor. And the more I dig into it, I said, you know, some things that I'm on my 30th time through this Bible, I've never seen. I've never, I just, it just blows me away when I get to it. But you'll see. Maybe you know, but I didn't, I didn't think of it this way anyway. Now, therefore, gather me all of Israel unto Carmel and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, of the groves, 400, which did eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent all the children of Israel and gathered them, the prophets, together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah said, came unto all the people and said, How long shall, how long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. And if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. They were stunned. What do you mean? There's another God. They, they had forgotten all of God. They put, they put God out of their mind. Baal was their God. They, they had turned their back on Jehovah. Then Elijah said, then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, 
remain a prophet of the Lord. Isn't that something? We're getting close to that here, folks, in, in this world today. That right is wrong and wrong is right. But Baal's prophets are 450. Let them, therefore, give us two bullocks and let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it into pieces and lay it on wood and put it under no fire on it. I will dress the other bullock and lay it on wood and put no fire on it. Call ye the name of your gods and I will call on the name of the Lord God, Lord, and the God that answers by fire. Let him be God. He's putting them all to test. And all the people answered, said, well spoken. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, choose you one bullock yourselves and dress it first. For ye are many and call upon the name of your gods, but put no fire under it. They took the bullock and was given them and they dressed it and called, it, called on the name of Baal from morning until noon and said, oh Baal, please send fire from heaven. Oh Lord, just please sell Baal, Baal, Baal. This is, this is where I, I, love, I, I made fun of him last, this last time I taught. There was no voice nor any answered, and they leaped upon the altar that was made. Just picture this, folks. 450 prophets of Baal jumping up and down. Oh, come on, Baal, you got to pull through. And there's nowhere in Scripture, there's nowhere in Talmud, there's nowhere in, in any documentation where Baal ever answered a single prayer. Baal never fulfilled a single prophecy. Nothing. Yet these people totally gave themselves over to it. And it came to pass at noon, this is at verse 27, at noon, verse 27 of 18, and it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, cry louder. Come on, man. He's up there. Cry loud, real loud. Just scream. Just go ahead. Come on. He can't hear you. And he mocked him and said, cry loud, for he is a God. Either he's talking, hey, he's, 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 he's having a conversation with some of his other buddies. You got to cry real loud to get his attention. For he, he, or either he's pursuing, or he's on a journey. Perfecture, he's asleep. You got to wake him up. Scream. Can you imagine these 450 people? Oh, Baal, you got to come through. Give us some fire, Baal. Oh, ba Golden calf, we need you. I'm down to my last match. The wind's blowing. <laughs> and the cry aloud, the verse 28, and they cried aloud themselves after the manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out of them. How? Can anybody that's intelligent, maybe if, I, maybe if I bleed to death on his wood, he'll send me some fire. Come on, Baal. Put a tourniquet on. Oh, I'm going to die. I'm losing too much blood. Come on, Baal. I picture this in my mind. And these, all these people, two million, could have been four then. I've got the numbers. I, don't, I didn't bring it with me. Entire nation just waiting for the fire. Oh, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. We're going to prove to Elijah that Baal is God. Come on, Baal. Squirt some more blood on this wood. And it came to pass, verse 29, and it came to pass at midday was passed that the prophets 
that they prophesied even until the time that they're, I got so much markings here, I got to, and it came to pass when midday was passed and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that there was neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regarded. They had screamed to where they couldn't even talk anymore. They had no more voice left to cry out. They had just totally exhausted themselves. And that the nation of Israel, where's he at? Have we been duped? And Elijah said unto me, come near me. And all the people came near and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob and of the, whom the word of the Lord came saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar unto the name of the Lord and made a trench round about the altar as it would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid them on the wood. And he said, fill four barrels of water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. He said, do it a second time. And he did it a second time. He said, do it a third time. Fill it up. Soak it. Get your water. Drain it. Just, just fill it. And the water ran off the altar and filled the trench with water. And it came to pass at the evening time, at the time of the eat, offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Israel, Abraham, Isaac of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, that this people may know that thou art Lord God and that thou hast turned their back and and that thou hast turned their back again, turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifices and the wood and the stones. You know how hot that's going to be when a stone disintegrates? And can you imagine these people? Can you imagine the prophets of Baal? Can you imagine Ahab? Who caused all this? And when the people saw it, they fell on their faces. Wait a minute, let me go back to 38. And the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, the wood and the stones and the dust. There was nothing left. How in the world can a, 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 a rock be so hot? It's nothing there. That's crazy. Not crazy. I mean, I don't mean that uh, ill will. And licked up the water that was in the trench. And when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said unto them, take the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And he took them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. Now, I haven't found, I haven't found where he personally did the slaying, but he had, but he was alone. And I don't know if he said, all right, all you people, take these people right here that has caused all this and let's do them in. We don't want these people. We don't want nothing left of these people. Okay. And here's something before I jump on. I'm going to, let's see, verse 39. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, Lord, he is God, Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, Take the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them to the brook Kishon and slew them. And Elijah said unto him, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there's a sound of abundance of rain. It's been three and a half years. 
Can you hear it? There won't know nothing there yet. There was nothing there yet. But Elijah knew what God was going to do. And Ahab's looking, all right, whatever this man says, I'm going to do it now. He's been proven. Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. He cast himself down to the, upon the earth and put his face between his knees. Now here's a part where I'm, I'm doing some more studying, but it's just fascinating to me what just about happened right here. Because the number seven, we've talked about this quite a bit. And he said to his servant, get thee now and look toward the sea. He said, and he went up. And he went up and looked and said, there's nothing, Elijah. He said, go again seven times. What if he'd have went six? Four. He said, man, I'm tired of climbing this mountain. It's just so hard. Where's my, where's, no, they, they knew that Elijah had the power of God on his life and what this prophet said, they're going to do it. And it came to pass at the seventh time, not the sixth, said, behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea, rising up like a man's hand. And he said, go up, saying to Ahab, prepare your chariot and get it down that the rain stop you not. And he said, let me tell you something. You're going to drown if you don't get down off this mountain. There's a rain coming that's going to wipe you out. You get on your horse and you go as fast as you can because it's coming bad. And it came to pass in the mean, this is verse 45, while that, and it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and the wind was, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezebel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and, he, and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezebel. Okay. Here's where, where I'm going to take my time a little bit more to, to cover this here. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done with how he had slain all of the prophets with the sword. Jezebel's about ready to lose her power. No more people. No more, I mean, here she was a king. Now she's got this, the king Ahab saw the power. So it tells me Jezebel wasn't there because he came in and told her about it. And he said, we ain't doing this no more. We're going to follow God. Jezebel got angry. I'm paraphrasing, picturing in my mind what's happening. Jezebel sent a message unto Elijah saying, let the gods do to me and more also if I make not thy life as one of as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. She put a death sentence on Elijah. She said, let me be dead if I don't kill you by the morning. Now here's Elijah, a prophet, who just experienced that right there. This shows you how weak and vulnerable we as human beings actually are. I mean, I've experienced the power of God. I've seen revival break out and all that. I know, I know there's a special place in my heart, in my life, where I'm in trouble, where I need him, where I need to just forget the world, get alone by myself. I've got my own hiding place where I can find God if I need. I, I know he's here. I know he's here. I know, I know I can call him instantly. But when I really need to get in touch at the horns of the altar, I know there's a place in my life where I can go get all my past, all my negative out of my life, all my thoughts, get all of no TV, no nothing, just isolate myself and grab hold and get a hold of God. 
I've got a hiding place. Sometimes I spend there hours because I know how I am. I know my heart. If I don't get that cleansing constantly, sometime during the week, I'm going to fail. I'm telling you. Even if it's just in my thought. Going down this road in the traffic, let me tell you something, I get so angry. And I look, suppose, suppose that was you looking at me, giving this guy the business beside me. Man, he a deacon in I'm a failure. But I've got grace that covers that. I've got the blood of Christ that, that, that I can go to. And you might hold that against me, but God doesn't. It's gone. So here we go. Here's Elijah. Oh, no, she's going to kill me. Oh, no, what am I going to do? Oh, let me tell you something. It won't take but just a little bit for us to get depressed about things in life. It won't take but, but it, and the devil knows what to get us. The devil knows what to throw right in our lives and say, hey, this will get him. This will get him. He may come back, but, but, but right now, we're going to eat. It'll take you, it can take you 30 years to build a testimony and five minutes to lose it. It just takes one word, one sentence, one action. It's like this. If I go to your house and you'd set your garbage down on the side of the road and I come to you, hey, brother Larry, and I took your trash and just threw it all out in your yard and scattered it. Yeah, how about that? Okay, you know what? I can get out there and I can clean it all back. I've had it mean none of that or nothing, but I can put it all out there nice and neat. But in your mind, you're going to say, that's the man that threw my trash all over my yard. That's the man that said this. That's the man that did this. No matter how much I ask for forgiveness or whatever, you can forgive me, but you deep in your heart, you will say, that's the man that did this. So here we are. Let me, I don't know where I said that for. But here we are, Elijah, close to God, got the power on his now running for his life. But he, let's see, Verse 3 of chapter 19. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and became and came to Bathsheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. And he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down on a juniper tree and requested for himself that he might die. Say, Lord, just kill me. Just take me away. Just take me on out of here. I, I don't want to live like this one and run my whole life. Instead of listening to God, I said, why are you going to be on the run? Did you just not see what I did yesterday? Just totally made a bunch of rocks, water, wood, everything just totally flat ground dust, and you're running for your life? Do you not believe? Okay, verse 4 again. And requesting himself, this is midway through, Lord, let's start at the beginning. Verse 4 of 19. He himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under the juniper tree and requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, O Lord, take my life, take away my life, for I am not better than any of my fathers. And here's, here's one thing that baffled me too about this whole story. And he lay, as he lay and slept under the juniper tree, behold, an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise, eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake, bacon on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. 
He did eat and drink. And here's what baffled me. Laid down again. Let me tell you, if I was under there scared to death and I had a supernatural angel come and touch me, hey, eat. You know there was nobody else around. You're in a hiding. I'm going to eat. I said, ah, that was a good meal. I'm going to go lay back down. No, I'm going to say, don't leave me. Stay right here if I'm scared for my life. How in the world could Elijah just eat and go lay back down? That shows you how deep his depression was. And is he any better than me or you or you? We, we, we've got to pray that God keeps his hedge around us so that, so that one little sentence from somebody, they can say to us, like Jezebel, I'm going to kill him. So somebody can say, I'll get him. Or, or we hear, we can't let other people bring us so down that we lose our connection with God. And I've got a few, got to finish here. Okay, and he lay down, verse 5, and he says, he lay down and slept under the juniper tree. Behold, an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake, bacon with coals and cruise of water at his head. He did eat and drink and lay down again. An angel came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. What journey? God knew. God knows your journey. God knows your journey. God knows your journey. He knows where we're going to go tomorrow. He knows where we're going to go Wednesday and Thursday. He knows our journey. He's already prepared the way. But here Elijah is thinking, man, I got to get back to God. I'm going to the mountain. I'm going where I know God is personally, where I'm going to my hiding place. I'm going to the hiding place. I'm going to where I know I can find God. I know he's going to be there. I know he's in heaven, but I know where he's at. This is Elijah. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of meat, that meat, 40 days and 40 nights, where? Unto Mount Hor, Mount Sinai. He traveled all the way back to Egypt. See, Horeb and Sinai is in Egypt. He went back, he went back, back to where the roots were, back to where he knows God was, back to where, where everything was spiritually for the Jewish nation. Went unto Horeb and to the mountain of God, and he came thither and to the cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. He knew where to go. He knew where to go to talk to God. And he said unto him, this is the Lord talking. What doest thou here, Elijah? I've already said, ain't no man coming up here that's going to live. What you doing up here? What you coming up here bothering me for? God, I'm not saying that sacrilegiously. Like, like, you know, God can ask us a lot of stuff in our own heart, but he already knows. He knows. He may ask us in his word, you know, what are you doing? He doesn't mean, I don't know. What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel. He, he sees that's a lie. He's running for his life. He said, but it's the truth, but it's a half truth. Elijah's running for his life. Because he's already said, in this, he, he went running for fear. 
I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken the covenant and thrown down thine altars and slain thy prophets with the sword. And even I only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. Now he gets back to the truth. He won't jealous for that. He's, he's just human nature. Scared. And he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. We're on Sinai again. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great strong wind rent the mountains, breaking to pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord won't in the wind. And after the wind, there was a great earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the quake, earthquake, a fire. The Lord won't in that fire. After the fire, a still, small voice. You know, when you get prayed up and you get in the Word, that peace when you know you've laid it all on the altar, when you know there's nothing else I can do, it's in your hands. You know that feeling? When you're in a battle, you're in a fight, you're in a struggle, all of a sudden, Lord, there's nothing else I can do. And that's what brings me back to my, my life's verse. Job 13, 15. Though he slay me, Yet while I trust in Him, I'm going to maintain my ways. I am who I am. I am who He created. I, hey, I'm going to still get angry in traffic. I'm going to still, but I don't care. He can slay me, but I'm going to yet trust in Him. I do not care. And here we are, a still small voice, that peace that comes when you lay it all down and you walk away from it. That's faith. And it was so, when Elijah had heard it, he wrapped his face in the mantle because he knew he couldn't see God. He knew he couldn't face. He wrapped his face in and covered it up. Went out and stood in the entrance of the cave and behold, there came unto him, came a voice unto him saying, what are you doing here, Elijah? Come on, let's have it. What are you really doing here? He said, I've been jealous, O God, Lord God of the host, because of the children of Israel have forsaken that covenant. Now he said, it is true. I'm so mad because the whole nation has turned their back on you. I don't know what to do. I'm just one man. And have thrown down thy altars and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I only am left alone to seek my, and they seek my life to take it away. Okay. I'm going to finish up real quick here. I'm just starting. I got four pages. I'm going to be about, anyway, I'm not going to, I'll finish next time I teach. Here we go. This is some good stuff here. And the Lord said unto him, Go, return thy way into the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest unto Hazael to be king of Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, now who was Jehu? I got that here. Jehu was a commander in the chariots of King Ahab. He was one of the he was the top man that ran all the chariots for King Ahab. Now he's saying, I want you to anoint him to be king of Israel. He's turned his heart to me. I'm not going to, I don't have time to really get into detail, but the Jehu had a conversion and now Jehu is going to be king of Israel. And so he said, now I want you to anoint him king and then over, king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of, son of Shaphat of Abimelech, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in your room. You're going to, we're going to get into that the next time. But 
Shaphat, Shaphat is Joshua, is uh, Elisha's father, not Elijah. Now, who was Shaphat? Uh, it gets, I'm, telling, I'm not going to be able to get where I want to get, but I'll have to say this part. Shaphat was Elisha's father at the tribe. He's of the tribe of Simeon. He was among the spies that, let's, let's go there, Numbers. Let me find it. Numbers 13, 15. I'm going to have to stop with this here. Shaphat, now keep in mind, is Elisha's father. Numbers chapter 13, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send men, thou men, that they will search the land of Canaan, which I give to the children of Israel. Of every tribe of the fathers shall send a man, every one of them a rule among them. And Moses commandment, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran, all those men of the heads of the children of Israel. Verse 5 is here. We're going to, I'm just going to cover this one verse. Of the tribe of Simeon, Shaphat, the son of Hori. That's, that's Elisha's father. It's all, everything in here is, is in this book. We can trace the genealogy back. Okay, now to cover that part, and then I'm going to jump to verse 17. Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and they came back and said unto them, Get ye up this way, southward, and go up to the mountain. There's another mountain, but I'm, I'm out of time. It's getting really good, I'm telling you. All 12 of them came back. Two of them said, We can take them. All ten of these, including Shaphat, said, they're too powerful. They're too tough. We're not going to be able to take them. I know there's grapes there. I know there's honey there. I know. Not thinking. God has already said, he just said, Moses, the land that God has given them. Anyway, I'm going to have to stop, folks. I don't want to because I'm, I really wanted to get the end of this one. We'll do that the next time. Well, because we're getting ready to get to where Elisha comes back from Sinai, recharged, re-energized. He's been with the Lord. He's got revival in his heart. He doesn't know that God's getting ready to take him. He just knows that God told him to anoint Elisha and pass the mantle on to him. This last thought, because we'll eventually end up there. What do y'all know about Mount Tabor? This is not going to be next time. I've got to finish this. Tabar is the Mount of Transfiguration. And on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus took Peter, James, and John up there. And there appeared unto him Moses and Elijah. Moses has been dead 4,000 years. Documented proof that, there's, that it's real, folks, and we know each other. Because they said, there's Moses. And there's Elijah, and God had took Elijah. Moses was a symbol of us. If we die here, we're going to be with the Lord. Elijah, if we're caught up in the rapture, Elijah was caught up. Jesus was standing there in his glorified body. They saw the glorified Jesus before he was crucified and resurrected. And that's Mount Tabor. That's, that's, that's a big study we'll get to eventually. You listen to Deacon Danny Cahoot. For more information, Visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.